Welcome back to Cinema Wellman. I'm your host, David. And uh, and today, once again, we're going to try something new. Uh, we love new things here at Cinema Wellman. Uh, today, we're going to take a look at <clears throat> all 11 movies that are based on Saturday Night Live skits. And we're going to rank them from worst to best. And I'm thinking of the future may feature some episodes with a finite number of movies in a specific category that we can rank. We love lists, as you may have noticed. Um, I've been a devout fan of Saturday Night Live since it premiered as NBC's Saturday Night, that was the original title, on October 11th, 1975. I'm one of the very few people I know who has stuck through it and defended it for all 48 years, just about. And there have been many years that it was extremely hard to defend. To date, there have been a total of 939 episodes featuring hundreds and hundreds of different hosts and musical guests. And believe me, not all of them were memorable. I'm in the process of creating my own database of that to no one's surprise. Um, Saturday Night Live is famous for introducing catchphrases into our everyday life, uh, along with inspiring countless numbers of Halloween costumes over the years. When you create interesting characters and bring them back over and over and over and over and over, and if you're a fan of SNL, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you see that set, you're like, they're they're doing that again. Um, when this happens, you not only end up inspiring Halloween costumes, you end up with feature films based on these recurring characters who made us laugh, or not, for a few minutes on a Saturday night. Lots of characters can make you laugh for a few minutes, but how many of those can carry an entire feature film? Well, the answer to that, as you will see, is not many. Being such a fan of the show, I wanted to do an episode about all of the movies that the SNL skits have spawned over the past half century, almost. Um, I originally started thinking about this, and I thought there had to be at least 20. There had to be. Maybe more. Um, And then I attempted to count them and name them, and I couldn't think of that many at all. And I guess it's possible that I was thinking about movies starring SNL alumni, and that's a huge number, I'm sure. I'm not making that database. Um, I was shocked when I found out that there were only 11. It makes the episode easier, but Um, I was even more shocked when I realized that I still hadn't seen seven of them. Seven out of the 11 I had not seen. And I love Saturday Night Live. Um, Just think about people that hate Saturday Night Live. Um, Now, a closer look at these titles took a lot of that shock away. Of those seven films I hadn't seen, only one of them featured characters that I thought were even remotely funny. So that does make sense. Um, if we're planning to go on record and rank these 11 to 1, we, uh, you know, you need to screen them all, including the four that we've already seen. The Blues Brothers, Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2, A Night at the Roxbury, uh, In for a Penny, etc. Uh, so we did just that. And here are the final rankings. We'll start with the worst movie, ranked at number 11, and end uh, with the best at number 1. Be warned that a vast majority of these are terrible. So a top half of the list finish doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good film worth watching. I'll do my best to steer you in the right direction. You'll be able to tell what I think, as usual. Uh, we'll start with the very, very bottom, and that's number 11. 
Uh, and this was pretty easy. I almost ranked it at number 12. It's from 2010, and it's MacGruber. Um, MacGruber made 11 appearances as a skit on SNL. SNL alumni appearing in the film, Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph. I knew I was in trouble when the song over the opening credits included the line, they made a fucking movie, MacGruber. Yeah, uh, the joke's on us, I guess, for watching it. It only got worse from there. Uh, they got Val Kilmer to do this. And that's Powers Booth. <laughs> Powers Booth. He's a good actor. Um, this whole thing could have been handled with much more class and dignity by the please don't destroy guys who are currently making short films uh, for SNL. Um, and they could have done it in six minutes. I did some research on this film and found out that word of mouth killed it pretty quickly. In three weeks, it dropped from being shown in 2,346 cinemas to only 177. Penis jokes galore, homophobia galore, sex jokes galore, and the sex jokes, they're, they're way too much and, and unfunny. Oh, and, and poop jokes. Of course, I forgot who I was dealing with. Um, you may hear some rumblings. I just heard it through the mic. Um, there's like a raging thunderstorm. We have a tornado warning, so that's what that is. Um, <laughs> if you're listening or watching, you might have heard that. Um, so back to MacGruber. The title character is such an asshole and so moronic that you can't possibly root for him at any point. I wanted him to die during this entire movie. An abortion joke. They made an abortion joke. This was made in 2010. Um, at one point, I was thinking, listen, if you wanted to make hot shots, just make hot shots. Um, one of the worst, make that two of the worst sex scenes I have ever seen in films. And I've seen Fifty Shades of Grey. This was insufferable. Um, the bad guy's name is is very close to the pronunciation of a vulgarity for female genitalia. And they say it about a million times. And it's never funny. Ugh. Just dreadful. I wish I could erase the fact that this movie exists. Um, we're 66 minutes in before MacGruber MacGrubers. And he doesn't really do it. He fires a gun and says that it's much better than all the stupid gadgets he used to make. So, haha, the joke's on us again, I guess. Um... MacGruber doesn't properly MacGruber until there are 14 minutes left in the movie. We have yet another villain who explains everything instead of just, you know, killing. Just kill the good guy. Just kill them. For once. I would just applaud that so much. This was detestable garbage. Let's go to number 10. From 1994, it's Pat the Movie. Um, Pat made 12 appearances on SNL. SNL alumni in the film, Dave Foley, who I love, uh, Charles Rocket, and Tim Meadows. This was terrible. This was awful. This was horrible. And it was still so much better than MacGruber. Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I think there are several groups that may be offended by this entire mess. I never liked the skit. I cringed every time Pat appeared. I always found Pat to be obnoxious and unlikable. And Pat stays true to form for 
this 77 minutes. <laughs> That's right, 77 minutes. Even adult films make it to 80 minutes, or, or so I'm told. Uh, Charles Rocket's ultra-creepy neighbor character is way more cringy than Pat ever was. He's disturbing. He should be in a slasher film. The stupid gag about not being able to figure out Pat's gender, it, it can't sustain five minutes on TV, let alone 77 minutes uh, in a feature film. According to the interwebs, this movie earned, wait for it, 60000 $822 at the box office. You heard that correctly. $60,822. That's how much it made at the box office. So it's 77 minutes long and it earned $60,822. That means it earned uh, $789.89 per minute of screen time. I'm pretty sure that's not what investors had in mind. And and if you're not convinced, um, pick a high-grossing film and do that math, and you'll see how much it grosses per minute of screen time, and it's way more than $789.89. Um, unfortunately, the budget of this was $8 million. Um, I'll bet half of that went to the rights to have Pat belt out Aerosmith's Dude Looks Like a Lady. I wish I could forget seeing that. I actually wish I forgot seeing this whole thing. Number nine, not any better, from 2000, The Ladies' Man. SNL appearances, 15. SNL alumni in this film, Will Ferrell, Mark McKinney, and Chris Parnell. This was on SNL 15 times. Why? Why? Maybe funny once. Um, the entire plot revolves around a group of men wanting to kill the ladies' man because he slept with their wife, girlfriend, sister, mother. You get it. It's the whole thing. Penis joke after penis joke after penis joke after penis joke after penis joke. Who knew writing a screenplay was just so easy? Um, this doesn't sway too much from the original skit, which means it's just unfunny and boring, which brings us to number eight. Talk about boring from 1995. Stuart saves his family. Stuart is stupid, but at least we don't hate him like we hate MacGruber. Um, this film being so bad was kind of puzzling since it had a good director, Harold Ramis, a decent cast, but it's just a shit story based on an oddball skit to begin with. Uh, here's a line from the film. Give you an idea of the screenwriting. Maybe you'd like to pick on someone with pubic hair. Haha, yeah. <laughs> big laughs. Uh, a Holocaust joke. Did, who do they think they are? The Hangover? Um, SCTV alum Joe Flaherty delivers the only line in the film that made me laugh. It is not funny out of context, so you are not going to laugh. But trust me, it's the funniest line in the movie when Joe Flaherty says, That was not a quality ham. That's it. That was not a quality movie, Joe. Let's go to number seven. Blues Brothers 2000 from 1998. Uh, SNL appearances uh, zero because Blues Brothers 2000 didn't exist until this movie was made. Now, they get a kid. So Belushi's gone. They have a kid. What's with the kid? This is Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch all over again. The plot's almost the same as the Blues Brothers, 
but this one doesn't have Belushi. Translation, this should not have been made. Actually, it's the same plot without Belushi before a voodoo priestess, played by the wonderful and beautiful Erica Badu, uh, casts a spell on them and they turn green and perform Caribbean music. That's Greenface. The music in this is fine, but it doesn't make it a movie. And definitely not a two-hour movie. And why the All-Star Band? Is this We, We Are the World? I'd rather watch a concert movie of these people playing the blues than have them sandwiched into this trash. B.B. King does kick major ass, as usual, though. Um, They let Paul Schaefer sing? Why on earth would anyone allow that? The car wreck scene in this was absolutely idiotic. They wrecked 104 cars in this movie. The original Blues Brothers wrecked 103. Way to inflate that budget for no reason, guys. Number six, Wayne's World 2 from 1993. Uh, Wayne's World, uh, SNL appearance is 19. Now, SNL alum in this film, Wayne's World 2, Chris Farley, Robert Smigel, uh, Harry Shearer, and Tim Meadows. Uh, This is one of the four SNL films that I already seen. I saw this when it came out, and my database has it as a bomb. Uh, No surprise since it's got that two next to the title. The flimsy plot of this flimsy sequel involves Wayne putting together a rock festival called Wayne Stock. This movie brings nothing new to the Wayne's World table since it trots out the same stuff as the first movie for the most part. Even the movie's posters are similar because they both mention hurling. Uh, And who on earth thought that ad parodies would be funny in a movie? I'm here to tell you that they are not, especially 30-year-old ad parodies. Skip this one if you get the chance. Okay, here's the top half. At number five from 1999, we have Superstar. SNL appearances, 19. SNL alumni in this film, Will Ferrell and Mark McKinney. Let me begin with Superstar by saying that Molly Shannon is amazing. She's extremely versatile, she's smart, and she's pretty damn funny. Shannon's most memorable SNL character, and she has a few, uh, is Mary Catherine Superstar Gallagher. Mary Catherine is a misfit. Uh, She's an outcast. She puts her fingers under her armpits when she's nervous and then smells them, uh, and she's clumsy. Do not get Mary Catherine Gallagher near tables and folding chairs. She's also very likable, and that translates to this movie and makes it mildly entertaining. Um, The problem with Superstar and many other films on this list is that it's really a six-minute skit at heart. It's not a feature film, even an 81-minute long feature film. Number four is A Night at the Roxbury from 1998. Now, SNL appearances, I couldn't narrow this down. I couldn't get a correct answer on the interwebs. But I know it was done uh, more than seven times, okay? Because I saw, well, seven times at least, I should say. Um, Because I read a list of the people who appeared it. I'm going to try to find those later on on the YouTube. Uh, SNL alums in this film, Molly Shannon, Colin Quinn, and Mark McKinney. Um, if, if you're familiar with this movie or the skit on which it's based, you may be wondering what's, what it's doing at number four on this list. Valid point. Since all this is about is about the adventures of the club-hopping dimwit Butabi brothers uh, and, and, and the fact that they're not popular with the ladies. 
I wish I could play that song. I can't afford the royalties. You know what it is. And it's them bopping their heads. And that's it. It's just silliness. Um, I'm pretty sure that guys like this existed back then. And I'm sure they pretty much exist now. Um, and I'd like to apologize for every person that they ever hit on. Chris and, and Will Ferrell are extremely smarmy as the Butabi boys. And, and many of the laughs come from their just their facial expressions and the physical comedy uh, as opposed to the script. There's an homage to Saturday Night Fever that's done very well. Uh, the, the two brothers are walking down the street to Staying Alive, uh, just like Tony Monero did in 1977. It's, and it's pretty funny because um, they're morons. Um, the supporting cast certainly helps, especially they, they cast Lonnie Anderson and Dan Hedaya as the Butabi parents. That's great casting. Hedaya in a comedy is always a treat. And young Jennifer Coolidge. I think she's billed as hottie cop. Thank you for that. All right. Uh, Donald Trump is mentioned in a joke. It's not so funny now, is it? Um, were all comedies of this time period required of a certain amount of homophobic jokes? It's just awful, and it, and it looks terrible. It was never funny. Get rid of those. Um, Richard Grieco as Richard Grieco. I never saw him in anything, and yet I found this funny. And I was wondering if that was the joke. If so, it succeeded. <laughs> There's a positive outcome here with the boys succeeding. Um, the story, the plot is flimsy, but it's loyal to the characters. And, you know, the Butabi boys are stupid, but they're, but they're likable. Um, let's go to number three from 1993. Coneheads. Uh, they made 11 appearances on SNL. Uh, SNL alum, and, and it's, I'm going to be a while. Uh, in this film, Phil Hartman, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Lorraine Newman, Tim Meadows, Michael McKean, Chris Farley, Kevin Nealon, Jan Hooks, Tom Davis, Julia Sweeney, Garrett Morris, and an uncredited John Lovitz. This is the only film on this list, whose cast, when this was filmed in 1993, the cast featured past, present, and future members of the SNL cast. Uh, they came out of the woodwork to make this one. Conan's is totally passable as a sci-fi comedy. Uh, there are a couple of laughs. Uh, they stay loyal to the characters that were created on the small screen, with the exception of the scary teeth, but they fixed those kind of early on. Um, Jane Curtin is solid as usual. And the young actress who plays Conehead daughter, the Conehead daughter, uh, she her name is Michelle Burke, and she's given an introducing credit, which is excellent. Um, and that same year, Michelle Burke uh, made Dazed and Confused for Richard Linklater and Parker Posey and Joey Lauren Adam, Lori Adam, Lauren Adams, pardon me, um, were her friends in in Dazed and Confused and. And Parker Posey and Joey Lauren Adams show up in this. They're just a couple of seconds walking on the street together with the Conehead girl. I, no idea how that happened, but I loved it. Uh, I'm not saying Coneheads is great or even very good, um, but it finished third on this list, which says more about this list than it does about this movie. Let's go to number two. And it's the original Wayne's World from 1992. Uh, once again, SNL appearances, 19. SNL alumni in this film, the great Chris Farley. Uh, Portions of Wayne's World are horribly dated, but that's what happens when you rely on current, at the time, pop culture references and advertisements that we no longer remember. The product placement is over the top and totally done for a laugh. 
Um, the problem is that it's not funny. Also not funny would be the ad parodies that this film passed along to its sequel. They didn't work here, and yet they trotted them out later on for the sequel. A year later, I think it was, which tells you how great that must have been. Uh, there is, in the, in the original, there's not a lot of plot. Um, and the breaking of the fourth wall becomes tedious after a while, but this is enjoyable and silly enough for 94 minutes of your time. Only if you like the skit on SNL, of course. That's pretty much the key to this entire thing. Um, not sure why the movie had time for a full-blown, pretty much shot-for-shot Laverne and Shirley intro homage. Maybe it's to make sure it ended up over 90 minutes. I have no idea. Um, and I'm not an Alice Cooper fan, but his monologue about the history of Milwaukee is one of the highlights of this entire film. And see if you can find just that on YouTube. And finishing at number one and making it the best SNL film, the best skit based on an, sorry, the best film based on an SNL skit. I got it right that time. The Blues Brothers from 1980 has to be. Now, SNL appearances, this is tricky. It never was a skit. Um, they were on as a musical guest once, and then there were other iterations of them, but that's about it. And then SNL alumni in this film, none. Hmm. One of the things, one of the lines that made me laugh the first time I saw it, and when I when I just rescreened it yesterday, is when Belushi and Aykroyd are in the fancy restaurant and they're trying to get kicked out, and Belushi leans over to the family. How much? How much for the little girl? The women? How much for your women? I want to buy the little girl. It still makes me laugh. I want to buy your daughters. Sell them to me. Um, it's this is funny. The film's appearance at the top of this list is totally deserved. This is legitimately good movie with great music, over-the-top car carnage, and John Belushi. John Belushi was funny. I met John Belushi once at Yankee Stadium. It was before a game and the players were warming up on the field. Um, My Uncle Frank and I were seated. They were good seats. Thank you, Uncle Frank. And Uncle Frank always paid the extra buck to the guy who wiped our seats off. Extra buck. Um, and I noticed this guy, a big guy, and he's wearing like one of those flat kind of hats, like a Peaky Blinders hat, and a, and a big coat, fur-lined maybe, some fur involved somewhere. Um, and, and he looked familiar to me, and I kept looking at him and staring at him. And then I looked closer, and I realized who it was. So I got up, and I walked over to him, and he was just standing there by himself, looking out at the field. Um, I approached him very sheepishly, sheepishly and asked him, if he'd signed my program. He smirked and he obliged. And when he handed it back to me, he shot me that Belushi smile and he said, I'll kick your ass if you tell anyone I'm here. Still starstruck, all I could manage in reply was, yes, sir. In the film, when he takes off his sunglasses, at the, he has them on for the whole time. When he takes off his sunglasses at the end of the movie, I can still see that smile, uh, those the sparkling in his eyes. And I remember... You know, the the couple of minutes I got to spend with this guy at Yankee Stadium this fall day, mostly without words. Um, we were cheated out of a lot of good years uh, with him because of his self-destructive lifestyle. And it caught up with him in 1982 at the age of 33. Now, the Blues Brothers is unique to this list for two reasons, and I already kind of talked about it. Number one, 
Uh, only one appearance on SNL, and it wasn't in a skit. And number two, zero SNL alums in this. That makes it the oddball here in two ways. And a third way it's unique is that it's good. And I've already mentioned that. Um, the Blues Brothers, is it's a ton of fun. The musicians who appear and perform in it make up a who's who list of some of the greatest R&B performers of all time. I'd start naming them, naming them, but it would take too long. So check it out on IMDb. The car chase through the mall is so much better than anything that the Fast and Furious clowns have done in their 10 movies. Um, and if we're ever going to do in Cinema Wellman, if we ever do a City Spotlight episode on Chicago, the Blues Brothers will be a lock to make it. The city is like a third Blues Brother in this film. If you haven't seen it in a while, or at all, check it out. You won't be disappointed, and you'll be on a mission from God, as Aykroyd says. Now, before I go, I wanted to list some recurring SNL characters that were much funnier than a lot of the people we talked about, characters we talked about today. Um, Keep in mind that all of these were available during the actual window of SNL movies, which was 1980 to 2010. So all of these recurring characters were available for feature film treatment. And none of these ever got made into a movie. Here we go. The Killer Bees. The Festrunk Brothers. Two wild and crazy guys? How does that, how'd they miss that one with Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd? Oh, the Olympia Cafe? Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Perfect. Ed Grimley. Come on. No Ed Grimley movie? No Church Lady movie? We are here to pump you up. No Hans and Franz movie? I didn't like them, but no Hans and Franz movie? Toons is the driving cat? You serious? I would see that. Bill Swirsky's super fans? Those guys were tremendous. Um, the Bears. Matt Foley living in a van down by the river. How's that never a movie? Too late now, unfortunately. What about the Spartan cheerleaders? And Stefan. So many, so many wasted opportunities there. Well, that's it. Thank you for joining us here at Cinema Wellman for a ranking of all 11 movies based on Saturday Night Live skits. Join us next week as our city spotlight shines on movies made in the Big Apple. We will go into the belly of the beast and take a look at 10 tremendous movies made in New York City. And we hope you'll join us on that journey. Until then, take care.